Please listen carefully. Well, welcome to episode 22 of Last Turn Madness. We've got a range of people here tonight, so it should be an interesting conversation with a range of topics. We've got uh, Becky. Hello. We've got Rob. Yo. And we've got Alex. Hello. Right. Well, we've I've, I've briefed everyone and said we all have to crack on with this because we've got a lot to cover, so I'm not going to muck about. Um, and I'm going to go straight through to, we've got a range of things tonight. We're going to, obviously our main topic will be trope. Um, Trope High, which I'm very excited to hear about because I've been especially not reading anything about it until now. We've got Mirror Shades 2. We've got Relics of the Fall. We've got UK Games Expo, the mega game. And we've got Megacon. So we've we've got a fair bit. But I'll start with you, Alex, and let's go straight into um, Mirror Shades 2, the follow-on from Mirror Shades 1. Yeah, indeed. So uh, regular listeners will have been um, following the story of this one. So we ran the game. Uh, the first version of the game back in October, which whilst mostly successful, had a, had a few issues that I really wanted to, to iron out. So uh, we ran it back uh, in April now. Yep, uh, middle April. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, not to sort of come across as too arrogant. It was, it was for me as a designer, very successful. I think it, it worked really well. Excellent. And um, you said you'd made a, a series of changes. So what were the key changes and how did you feel those went? So, yeah, I think sort of, you know, after the game, well, I think everyone had a good time. The few was solid. There was a few areas of design that really didn't work. I, th- I think the two sort of main ones was how the corporate roles broke down. Uh, and probably, if anything, there, there are a couple of board players in some of those roles. And then partly how some of the economy worked, essentially. Uh, things did not get moving in the way they should have done. It was meant to be a slow kind of gradual increase uh, through sort of the economies it grew and things happened, but it kind of things got bogged down at quite an early stage. And, and so sort of essentially the more advanced parts of the game were, were sort of never never played in the first one because everyone was sort of stuck, stuck at the bottom end, which is fine. People was, you know, it wasn't unbalanced, but it just didn't work how I intended. So um, the main changes there was a major restructure of the corp roles, essentially, instead of having fairly nebulous areas of responsibility it was you know there were a player for each map and then a ceo who was kind of your team leader and, and political player um so that very much just kind of changed the focus also sort of perhaps more traditional structure what what was the thing that went wrong with the the financial side of the game in the first game i, I remember something going wrong was it mm. because it was the, the, i think was it the the corpse got too far behind they didn't do quite as well as we expected is that right yes yeah, essentially they just didn't there was this the the profit track went from zero to 100. They never, I don't think, ever got above about 20 or 30. Uh, and the idea was they should have been near 100 by the end of the game. So they were just making much slower progress, um, which was partly tied to where the, the roles worked. Uh, and essentially they just turtled in a single location rather than growing out, expanding the territory, which was, which was what the intention was. But, but that didn't work. So that was, that was kind of the big thing I had to change with a single map player for each each court on each map to focus them in one area and also changing the way the action economy works, essentially tying it to territory. So as you expanded, uh, you got more action. So there was a real driver to do that rather than just sit in one place. And so people um, then did spread out quickly over the map? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it basically, um, you know, it worked just as as, a, as I'd hoped in the end. You know, kind of every turn, they could have a sort of 10 turns, and every turn the corpse sort of went up about 10 on the profit track. They kind of bought the new buildings, they expanded over the whole map, uh, and, yeah, and sort of churned out the, the projects, which was their sort of uh, thing they were trying to do, these kind of you know, various corporate products, um, uh, and, and, and that worked pretty well i think i was i was very pleased with the you know the problems i'd, I'd seen i managed to fix them which was quite satisfying so i guess then that did that drive a much more interesting narrative for the runners then uh, i guess becky who was fast jack the the runner leader could probably answer that <laughs> as well as that yeah i thought it was a really really interesting game and um, you also really put a lot of thought into the other things that runners could do that weren't doing runs and that felt a lot more fleshed out in the second run we did a lot more hanging out in bars i mean i did a lot of hanging out in bars in the first run but um when we did go to the bars there was a lot more to do and the uh, i can't remember what they're called the side quests that you could do Merc- the, the merc work yeah merc work yeah um that was really good and yeah i mean fast chat was incredibly challenging as a role um especially stepping into mr mecky game shoes who who played it last time <laughs> um but no it was a really really interesting and challenging and, and fun day and um the first game i didn't have a lot of interaction with the corpse the second game probably talked to more corpse than i did um punks I'm not entirely sure that worked in my favor as much considering i don't think most of the punks like me by the end of the day um <laughs> but no really really enjoyed it so i mean what i mean i suppose if you had a completely different role it's quite difficult to judge but i mean what in terms of the way that the game sort of evolved for all the players, how did you feel, Becky, that it was different? Um, the runs felt really like a lot harder this time. Um, last time, although I, I, I think this was quite um, different across different groups of people. Last time, I don't think we actually failed a run until about t- quite late on in the day. Um, this time we were failing runs sort of a lot earlier on in the day. We weren't we weren't getting our objectives. We were getting through places, but some of that might have just been poor planning on on our part. But some of it could could have been because the the corpse were in a bit of a better position to buy the the good tech and to sort of defend against the punks a bit sooner. Yeah. So Alex, uh, any other final thoughts on 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 the game where it's going to next? What you, what your current thoughts are? Um, so, so I think the core mechanics work there. I mean, as much as you can ever tell with them again, I could, could run it again and it would be a disaster. But, but I think that's there. The, the sort of the one debate that I've been having with a few people um, since, particularly Matt Brownbridge, Mr. Main Game himself, is, is around um, uh, whether the fast jack role is, is too hard, whether it's, whether it's actually impossible to win. My, my sort of intention was that it's a sort of one in ten chance to win. And Bet Becky did do really well and got into the election and came second place but was a long way behind first place so um yeah there's a little bit around the political game and how that kind of works is something that that maybe needs a bit of refining but um you know i think the core core mechanics are are probably there and probably hoping to run it again sometime next year maybe nice good um so moving on then you've recently went to a uh and was it relics of the fall was uh by a new designer uh, yes, uh, it was Reading Mega Games, sort of uh, the group, obviously based in Reading, uh, put it on. Um, I've now forgotten the name of the designer, which is terrible. It is John Kiwa? Yes, that's it. Thank you, Becky. Um, 
so that game was essentially was a sort of post post apocalyptic uh, game, sort of yeah, some nuclear war or something had happened, and essentially it was split down into two sides. There was a gang of uh, different sort of tribes, which I was one of the tribes, and then there was this sort of uh, imperial force as well who sort of dominated. Um, and uh, essentially it was a classic sort of asymmetric game. The tribes were, we only had one fighting unit, which was this kind of ancient mech that we had to keep going and was sort of falling apart. And while the, while the empire had, you know, loads of tanks and infantry and that kind of thing, didn't have a mech. So our, our big mech could defeat, uh, you know, a fairly large army of theirs, but not if they, they coordinated all their forces. Um, mechanically, it was essentially a worker, play, place, a worker placement game. You, put down where your workers were, you got resources back, use your resources to build your mech up and, and so on and so forth. We then the mech would then fight the, the Empire and, and 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 that kind of uh, sort of cycle continued. Um so yeah, I mean it was it was kind of very smallish game, probably thirty players, but yeah it was interesting as a concept. What were the key what were the sort of main role functions, so to speak? What were what 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 were different groups of people doing? Sure. So on the Imperial side, it was relatively simple. There was kind of a leader and then a couple of kind of map players who commanded the armies. Uh, there were also these traders uh, who were kind of from these independent cities uh, and they kind of sold to either to us in the tribes or to the empire. But they were kind of, um, they started the game sort of relatively allied to the empire, but by the end, actually became quite a somewhat adversarial. Uh, but, but they were sort of, sort of more mercantile focused. Um, the tribes were a bit different. Uh, each tribe had three players. One was the leader, which, which was my role, uh, which is very much your sort of political chatting role, as well as doing the worker placement for your tribe, so deciding, you know, whether you wanted to get more food or more, you know, scrap that turn or whatever. Uh, and then the other two roles were focused on the mech. One was the actual kind of mech pilot who did all the fighting and the map stuff. Um, and then the other was was known as the engine witch, which essentially, the, it was a sort of pseudo-religious role where they kind of had sort of, you know, forgotten magics to keep the mech going uh, and that essentially they would, be buy, they would be fixing the mech, buying new equipment, upgrading it, getting the resources for that process and, and so on. And what was the sort of, um, what, where, where was the core debate? I mean, what was, I mean, beyond finding battles on a map, what, 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 where did the sort of, I guess, political tension come in? So, yeah, I think, so, I mean, I think the core mechanics of Spain worked quite well, and I think it was probably on this side, on the politics uh, and background, where it kind of wasn't hugely detailed, and I think it kind of struggled in in that area, in that uh, whilst, you know, the, the empire was going to expand into our tribal area, and we wanted to stop them, that that was pretty much as, as far as it went. There was a couple of other lines in the briefs about your relationship to different tribes and stuff, uh, but there wasn't a lot there, so there wasn't really much political tension between the tribes, and we tended to just work as one uh while our relationship with the empire was just clearly adversarial um but i think the nature of the mechanics in the game was there was no way that either side could necessarily win you know long term you know it, it, there were too many of us for them to, to stomp on all of us and they were too big for us to, to ever permanently remove them so it needed probably a little more political dynamics and, and options for for things to happen there probably yeah again i think that's one of the I always feel, and I've said it a number of times in this podcast, at some point somebody else is going to have to take over because I just keep repeating myself. But, <laughs> but that that is the weakness. What I think, you know, a histo- non-historical stuff gives you great flexibility and huge depth and really exciting themes to explore. But at the same time, you have to really put the effort in to create the world and all the yeah. nuances in it. It's a lot of effort goes into that. Um, and if you if you don't have it, then it seems to you, you don't have the depth then to, uh, you know, have enough to, to debate between yeah. the gaps, I guess. 
it's essentially they're essentially role playing games, right? And if you haven't got that background material to know what your role is, you you, you can't you can't role play that that role essentially. So. I mean, were the personal were were, were 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 I mean, were the personal briefs? Do they have enough depth, or was it just an overall game background? No, it was very the game background was very light. It was a few pages in the manual, and the personal brief was was probably half a page of A4, and most of that was it was pretty light. So no, I mean, I think probably not too much work, you know, writing a 10-page background book and a, a proper two-page two detailed brief with a bit more rivalry between the different different groups and different teams could could probably add a lot more to that game with relatively small effort. Yeah, but the core, the central core map, me- I mean, what was the, the core map mechanic? Was that, um, how did that work? So yeah, I mean, as I say, it was a worker placement game. It was very sort of tried and tested and that, that worked quite well. I think the economy needed a bit more balancing, probably about halfway through the day. We, we didn't really there wasn't much scarcity after that once we built up our economies um so but i mean that that was relatively minor and then the combat was actually really interesting and, and definitely worth talking about I, I think you had a drawback of once you got to a big battle it took ages to resolve which did slow the game down a bit so that, that probably needs looking at but it was a good idea and essentially each unit put a number of tokens into a bag each token having a different effect so if it was you had a tank unit you'd have a couple of damage the enemy tokens and a couple of you know uh, stop damage against yourself tokens and then maybe you know some runaway tokens or whatever uh, and different units bringing you know different sorts of special tokens and, and general match and then each sort of round of the battle you would just pull one out of the bag and that you know that thing would happen so if it was my tank token that would do some damage to you if it was your infantry token it would do some damage to me uh, but obviously you know with sort of randomness there sometimes you get three or four tokens in a row from your opponent uh, and that could really really screw you over or in the same way you know you could get a big yeah you could potentially be losing a fight but then draw five tokens in a row that are the ones you want and, and destroy them it was you know it was, it was quite a fun sort of randomizing mechanic i mean that sounds like it adds a lot of theme and kind of narrative to the battle but did it add decisions uh, no, other than, you know, no, no, no way. I mean, you, the same thing could have been done by drawing cards or rolling dice or anything like that. Yeah, other than which units take the damage to, there wasn't wasn't decisions there. Uh, other than you could stop the battle at any time once you've taken tokens out and negotiate. So there was this kind of point that, you, you know, between tokens you can negotiate, try and, you know, get your way out of it. But again, you know, the same thing could have been done with a bit other ways of doing that. But. Okay, very interesting. Well, that's Relics of the Fall. Um, and and then more recently, this weekend indeed, and I've seen some footage of it. Uh, someone's taken some pictures of bits and bobs. Uh, you ran a game. Uh, you, or I think it was you. Uh, well, you and a number of people. Uh, uh, certainly, there was a Watch the Skies game at UK Games Expo. How did that yes. go? Yeah, so it was co-promoted between myself uh, and John Meisen from Southwest Mega Games. Um, kind of his, it was his game is his particular sort of mod of uh, Watch the Skies, but I kind of helped him promote it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, we I think when we initially announced it, we were worried we would not sell any tickets uh, and had no idea how it went, it was going to go. But um, we sold out a couple of weeks in advance. Um, everyone turned up uh, and it went incredibly well. I mean, I, you know, it's probably no surprise that Watch the Skies is a solid game, so I don't think we had any concerns there, but um, it was probably 95% new players. Um, you know, people who were at the expo because they loved, you know, board games or role-playing games or whatever and just wanted to try and make a game out and hadn't been able to, cause, you know, depending where they lived in the country. Uh, and, yeah, and, you know, it was it went incredibly well. Everyone seemed to, to love it, and I, I really hope the different groups around the country have picked up a, a bunch of new players out of it, to be honest. That, that was our goal. That's really good. That's really, you know, it's... 
That, that's a really nice thing to hear. What um, I've got quite a few questions here. I've just written down. Um, it's interesting that you sold out. I see that reading reading bits and bobs at Gen Con, all the mega games there have sold out in advance with people people trying to get on games. So it's it's it, it's a, an interesting bellwether of of things. Um, what uh, for those people that don't know Meisen's uh, John Meisen's uh, mod on Watch the Skies? What are what are the sort of core differences? Um, so it's, it's the sort of map mechanics and set out is pretty much exactly the same. He's just added a little bit more mechanical depth to the UN and particularly to the science and corporate game. Um, so it's just, I think, particularly in Jim's original, the science game is quite sort of quite nebulous. It's quite role play focused uh, with some basic mechanics. He's added some very core mechanics of where, you know, uh, resources go into and how you buy stuff and all that kind of thing. So, okay. But yeah, it's, it's very yeah. similar. Yeah. 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 I can, I can, I can see that's quite nice. And, um, Quite quite a big buzz with sort of it's always fun watching a big group of new people play Watch the Skies, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And um, uh, I've said to a couple of people now, it was it was the most peaceful Watch the Skies I've ever been part of uh, and probably ever heard of, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know if that comes from being at the end of a convention, everyone was just you know feeling very friendly towards everyone after three days of gaming <laughs> with them or what. But um, yeah, there were no real wars. The kind of yeah, everyone was pretty friendly to the aliens. The UN works as a you know coherent mechanism for getting things done, which I think is is pretty unusual. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, but um, everyone seemed to have, have a really good time. It was really positive bars everyone you know a lot of people turned up in costume there's all the kind of you know country theming that you always get um uh, yeah and i, I think uh, yes i think it seems to go real well that's good it's good to see watch sky still going and selling well um mm. okay well that's that covered and then um megacon rob and becky are going to talk a little bit about megacon and tell us what's going on there um I'm 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 involved, but in fact, I'm short of details myself, so it'll be it'll be good for me too. So, uh, Becky, do you want to kick off? Sure. So, um, MegaCon first came to mind quite a few years ago for me, at least, um, where I thought wouldn't it be cool if we could just spend more than a single day doing Mega Games, not just playing a Mega Game, but uh, doing seminars, doing playtesting, sort because of, a lot of people turn going to a mega game into a weekend event. They meet up with people the night before for a drink and then go out afterwards and then meet for brunch the next day and talk about mega games. So we thought, why not do that, but in a really, really intentional way? So we're running three mega games. Uh, it's taking place on the 27th and 28th of July in Birmingham. Um, so hopefully, a lot of the people that um, went to UK Games Expo will be back to Birmingham for Megacon. Um, we're running two games on the Saturday simultaneously. So we've got Europa Universalis, which is um, was originally run in Sweden. It's actually been written by one of the employees of Paradox who made the Europa Universalis uh, video game, computer game. Um, and that's set during the Thirty Years' War. So that's a sort of typical political military mega game. Um, we've got, of course, Undeniable Victory, uh, which is your game, Ben. Do you want to talk about that? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a weird theme. It's a run around war game. Uh, it's a run around war, but it's not really a war game as you know it. Uh, it's more about uh, crazy politicising and coming up with bonkers ideas because nothing wacky you can come up with is as crazy as what Saddam and Khomeini got up to. No, really, I really, really mean it. On even on a last turn madness basis some of the stuff they did so the the original run of it went really really well it was uh, very well received uh, a couple of bits didn't go wrong didn't go right but i've i believe i've come up with some sort of fix along with the people who were subject to the bits that went wrong 
but the core bits went very well and we're going to streamline other elements of it so yeah it was a very fun day and i was surprised how much people really did enjoy an obscure theme so that's yeah that's an, an undeniable victory yeah i definitely really enjoy it. i was on saddam hussein's council for that and uh it's the probably the most fun i've had at a um sort of more operational game so um, and we, were, we wanted to put a more operational game on the on the Megacon roster because we know there are a lot large portion of the mega gaming audience that are really into those sort of games um, and the final game that we're running on the Sunday is Den of Wolves which is another John Mizon game um, which is his space uh, last dregs of humanity fleeing through space away from the wolves who are chasing them from a planet called wolf not actual wolves um, and some players are spies, and I played in that, and I was a I was a wolf spy, and that's again a really really uh, fun game. Um, but it's it's not just mega games; we're doing um, seminars as well. Uh, Rob, do you want to talk about the seminars at all? Okay, so um, yeah, with the oh, as a as a brief thing, uh, I did hear about one version of of Den of Wolves uh, where the person organising it actually didn't put a wolf agent in. Um, and apparently everything still fell apart. So <laughs> um, just bear that in mind, people. Um, yeah, so seminars. Uh, we've been looking at different things that people might find interesting because there are several topics that come up again and again. Uh, I mean, the big one, which is probably going to have several people um, sort of clutching at their, at their pearls, uh, is what is a mega game? Um, and being able to define... Yeah, yeah, very controversial. Um, I'm sure the after-pub discussion won't come to blows on that one, but um, <laughs> we, we want to talk about... Uh, well, I mean, talking about things like that, but there's other stuff like um, board game mechanics that can be used for mega games. Uh, I think also something around uh, control, and depending how you see it, uh, the, the training or maybe, dare I even say, the professionalisation of control to a certain extent... Because uh, with people coming to games, and it is something around um, people increasingly seeing mega games as uh, as experiences which they're which they're paying for in a professional capacity, as opposed to just an amateur hobby thing. You want to have control who uh, basically provide a good customer service. Um, and there's also uh, other things about casting questions. Um, and uh, mega games for serious audiences. Uh, so, as as um, most people are probably aware, there are there are some mega gamers out there who have done mega gaming for big, very professional audiences. Uh, whether that's government agencies or companies, um, making sure that they use them as as training tools, uh, and also retention at mega games. As this is something else which. Uh, people may have noticed you'll see someone at a mega game they may they may seem to have a good time and then you never see them again and you're left thinking well why was that something that i did was it something that maybe they just didn't enjoy it but they, they seem to um and making sure they've got a good experience uh which i suppose you could also say ties in a little bit to the control training but yeah whole, uh, okay but the point. the question yeah. i've got is is there going to be a session on kilo games 
<laughs> I'm sure uh, it will come up during the what is a mega game discussion. Yeah, yeah. almost certainly. Um, and and uh, empty games. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there's there's quite a lot of discussion material, and it's more trying to trying to narrow that down a bit as almost any one of those could easily spin out into quite a prolonged discussion and possible academic paper. Well, good. Uh, any other points about Megacon? Uh, it's great, and everyone should buy a ticket. Yeah, tickets are now. Well, I mean, obviously, the, we want to make sure it's as supported as possible. We're doing it because we want to support the community. Uh, Becky has taken the greater load of this on here, and she has been amazing, and I think she, uh, we deserve to see it succeed because of the sheer amount of work she's been, uh, she's been doing. Um, and, yeah, it's just, even, even if it's small this year, it's something which, through the mega game community, can grow and also help promote mega games. Um, because we had Watch the Skies, we've had King and Country and Bring Them Home, and, and those, that sort of, well, are they mega games? Uh, that sort of level of things. Um, so the next thing to start growing the community even further. And it could be Megacon. Good. And I like the sound of that. And I'm, I'm excited now. Megacon, uh, my tickets. Available now. Woo. Yeah, very good. Megacon.org.uk. You, you need to do some sort of um, fire festival video. That's 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 the way to do everything now. Um, <laughs> the, um, very good. Uh, okay, right. Well, moving on to the main bill, which I know, which is what everyone's really been waiting for, is to hear Becky talk about Trope High. So, whoop, whoop. right. Um, I've got a ton of questions. I'm sure everyone else has as well. So, but I will just simply start off with what was Trope High? So Trope High was a high school mega game. So all players were either students or teachers at a fictional school called Trope High in America. Um, and it, uh, But every single player also had a secret of some sort. So... Think uh, things like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Twilight, Back to the Future, um, just all the wacky shows that take place in American high schools all in one school. Um, so we had werewolves and vampires and superheroes and, yeah, just tons of crazy secret characters that were going on behind the scenes. Players were going to lessons, uh, taking part in extracurricular activities, taking part in things like prom uh, class presidency, uh, trying to get into college, just all basically think of something that you might have done during school or might have done if you were a, a character in a high school TV show and hopefully it was in trope. Um, I've got a ton of questions off the back of this because I'm really struggling to imagine how the mechanics work. Um, I, I, before I dive into that, I'm, my understanding is it was a huge success. It was, it was, I'm, I'm really happy with how it went. It was very experimental and a lot of things need work for the next game. Lessons in particular very much need work for the next game. But in terms of the actual theming and players getting into it and um, just sort of like all the little plots just coming together, I'm really, really happy with how it went. And a lot of that's awesome. I would say it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rob, what was your experience? Um... There were moments in it where it was very strong thematically and there were definitely moments in it where you'd have something weird where there's an alien trying to pass their exams <laughs> or an alien from another planet uh, who's being paid off by a werewolf 
to sabotage, um, uh, I don't know, like a superhero, and you just turn around and think, actually, this does feel a little bit like, or remind me a little bit of an episode of Buffy or something weird like that. But in, uh, in, in, but in a good way, it, it, it felt like it, it, it could be part of Buffy. Not, it wasn't just wildly implausible. No, it, uh, it was, yeah, no, it, it worked really well. And um, I think a lot of that was how much everyone bought into it. Um, especially because some of the people did costume. The cheerleaders had had a cheer, which was amazing, um, which they did uh, upon several I have that on video somewhere. Yeah, the, the sports ball players got super into it. The coach was amazing. Um, it was, yeah. Uh, was the coach yeah, was the coach JB? Was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I did see the video of that. It, it did look like it was from a TV show. However, it was amazing. Uh, I mean the 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 fact that you called it sports ball just has brought has made me laugh a lot. Um, uh, Means I didn't have to actually work out how how football or American football worked. No, but it's also deeply amusing. You called it that on a number of levels. Um, <laughs> and I, from from the pictures, lots of new people to Mega Games. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't have percentage on how many people were new players. Uh, quite a lot. Um, I think we've got one of the best records for female or non-binary people. 40% of attendees were female or non-binary, which I'm wow, really, really pleased about. And like, um, not not to sort of go on too much about it, but um, I think every single elected position in the game was won by a woman, which I don't think has ever happened at a mega game before. No, it's fantastic. I mean, the... I mean, I mean that forty percent number is crazy. So I, I guess I'm going to move into slightly different territory now because I've now got about fifteen questions. Um, <laughs> uh, how did you how did you do that? Get get the women along. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I marketed it in all the same places I normally do. Um, I also put it out on some um, LARPing groups. Uh, I think just a lot of a lot of women who come along to one or two mega games brought brought their friends along. Um, uh, I brought uh, four I, of my friends along. Well, like, two of my friends have been to mega game before, but another two who hadn't and stuff. And yeah, uh, I think it just felt. I I don't know. I, I think for I mean I, I didn't attend, so I this is all complete uh, theory on my part. But I I really think it's theme is the main decision people make as to why they go to a mega game. I mean, obviously location is part of it, you know, who the designer is, the group and stuff. But I think most people, you, you can't really get that much of an idea of roles or mechanics from the, you know, the Facebook post or whatever. So I think if the theme appeals, people will, will come along to the game. And I think it's, a, you know, that high school theme, everyone, there's a thousand TV shows and everyone, you know, films and everyone it appeals to just so many more people than, you know, an historic war or something like Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it sounds like it's it, 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 it's it's very very interesting, and I think there's, there's a whole episode that could be had around this about why you managed to do how you managed to do this, and but I think like Alex says, theme it has theme has to be one of the stronger arguments there. Eh? Yeah, um, that's awesome. No, I'm really really pleased. Um, so uh, going to the game itself, going back to the the, the game, what were the core mechanics was i think you know a lot of people would have been to a mega game but they wouldn't have been to a high school mega game so (laughs) what how did it all work so there was no map um which was kind of scary and is it is it still a mega game if it doesn't have a map Um, (laughs) so the, the main mechanic for the lessons was just a simple dice roll and you could 
spend resources to get additional dice to roll. Um, that I tried to make it super simple. As I said, it didn't work out that great and was overcomplicated. Um, and my MVC, most valuable, most valued control, Ben sat in a Ben Williams sat in a side room for the entire day helping the the lesson system work. Um, so that's going to change. For so so it was too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was just too too much admin. Um, it wasn't. I don't think it was too complicated for the players, but it was too much admin for control, um, especially because it all mostly came down to to one control. Um, so it just needs another look at. But yeah, that was just a dice roll. The um, the extracurricular activities. So each player was in a different clique. All of them had their own mini games. So Rob, for example, was in the school band. That was brilliant. Um, there was a fantastic game there where you got given numbers from cards um, and you looked at your own cards um, and you had to hum at people whether the number was high or low without showing them the numbers. <laughs> and then you had to, after hearing everybody, put down your cards in order of value. And actually, it sounds really difficult, uh, especially because we had some professional musicians in our in our team um compared to some of the people who are less professional um uh and and i occasionally squeaked a bit but uh it worked really well and after after a few rounds it was like we were all in sync with each other which also felt very satisfying so your so sorry your average day it's was it set over one day or multiple days a year over a year so you ah so what was the turn then so a turn was like an episode length, like that sort of vague period of time where you couldn't really... There were 13 turns in the game, so right. a bit less than a month. The werewolves turned turned once once a turn, so technically about a month, but and, left it vague. And, and did players have free agency what to do? So they had to go... Well, sort of. The, the only thing that they absolutely had to do every turn was go to their cliques. Um, lessons... They could just not turn in the paper if they wanted to. A few times they were like running around and then it got to like the end of the lesson. Like, oh, shit, I haven't handed in my English paper yet, <laughs> uh, which was one of the things I really wanted to, ha- to happen. Um, uh, but it was it was sort of structured. So there was like a study phase, a free phase, the clique phase and then like an event phase, which I used to wrap up all the the stuff that you expect to get in high school, like prom, like SATs like um like big big sport ball games or um academic decathlon competitions and and things like that so so the special episodes basically where uh, the big stuff happens so so rob i mean what what rob what were your objectives and how did that play out mechanically um i can't give too much away for as and when the next game uh, oh okay yeah right i'll change bits and pieces if I've been given permission, then yeah. Um, I was uh, a a uh, vampire um, of, I think, based on the more sparkling variety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to oppose werewolves, uh, turn more people, um, and try and keep my fellow vampires in line. Um, we managed to turn somebody, which was which was fantastic. Uh, although uh, I think Control really did a great job here um, as... There was a. We tried to make a bit of a ritual out of it, and we ended up stealing some uh, doctored alcohol uh, from from the loners, 
um, which resulted in all of the vampires freshly turning this person and then all collapsing with diarrhea. Um, so, okay, that okay. a few times actually. Yeah, um, um, which was the one of one of two times that happened to all the vampires in the game, um, and I think the only time I've I've shat myself twice in a in a mega game. <laughs> At least in character. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, so, did people know you were a vampire? Uh, people worked it out pretty early on. Um, I thought you were an alien. Uh, no, well, yeah. Apart from the one person who thought I was an alien, which resulted in me getting uh, laser gunned. Right, um, and and. How did you fight the werewolves? How did that mechanically play itself out? Well, with that, um, I managed to find out through the course of the day lots of people who were uh, different varieties of superhero, fae, um, uh, well, other vampires, uh, lots of different, uh, well, uh, spies, whatever. I managed to find out what a lot of people were. I didn't manage to track any werewolves. Um which was interesting because there was uh, someone who was putting bits of paper into my locker, as that was another good mechanic. We You could leave messages to, for people in their lockers. Um, and they were telling me that different people were werewolves, which I didn't have anything else to go on, so I might have gone after some completely innocent people, uh, although it turns out I think at least one of them was a Cthulhu cultist. And, um, and, and how did your... An average turn for you, I mean, presu- presumably, I mean, your objectives were to... to have more you know as you said fight the werewolves and do more vampiring but you know how did an average turn of going to lessons sort of how did that mechanically play out for you um one of my personal uh, as well as the the supernatural stuff um on the school side of things as i was supposed to be someone who looked permanently sort of high school um sophomore uh if i if i did really well at my exams then uh, ancient vampire person uh, would let me go and do a few years of college or maybe even have a first few years of career. So I had to also investigate trying to do well at my studies so that I might be able to leave high school and pretend to have a normal life for a little bit. Um, and, and going to lessons for you, what did that involve? What, 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 were, you know, what was that mechanic? Everyone had different scores, uh, which gave them their their dice rolls. Uh, you got more dice if you're better at something. So uh, I was creative, so I started off with three dice. Um, I was rubbish at logic, which meant I only had one dice for that. But then you could uh, you could find uh, there were various cards. There were, there was someone selling uh, cheat cards, um, so you could cheat at tests and things. Um, and yeah, it was it was mostly the dice roll, and then for the uh, for sport, well, not sports ball, um, but for the gym lessons, it was um, throwing balls into a into a bin, um, and because I had a high uh, athletic ability, it meant that I could stand much closer. <laughs> and um, Becky, tell me about the you talked you talked about prom, and how did that how did that mechanic play out, and how did it sort of uh, interlink with everything else? So prom prom keyed into like the cred mechanic, which was uh, popularity, um, which is again something that needs a little bit of a tweak next game because I think a lot of players were topping out of their cred chart. Um, it only went up to twenty five, and definitely like a lot large amount of the cheerleading team and the sportball team were up at twenty five. But um, anyone could run for either prom king or prom queen. We did have a, a woman win prom king as well. And um, 
you when you were voting you voted with the amount of cred that you had so the more cred you had the more votes you got mm -hmm. so throughout the entire day if you wanted to be prom king or queen you had to have a high cred yourself and be friends with other people with high cred who would vote for you but who weren't going to run themselves so hope uh, and i probably seated in about 10 15 people who wanted either prom king or queen or if not one of those two class president or another position of authority um to try and get a lot of people buying over it i think we had i think we had three people three or four people running for prom king and then about seven for prom queen i think um so related to that, Becky, how, how did you obviously, you know, the, the source material for this, you know, romance and relationships is a huge part of it. Did you try and model that at all or would it have yeah. been weird to have two 40 year old men trying to chase her? <laughs> no, that 100. Well, I don't know if, if that exact situation happened. We had a, um, a crush deck. So every player started the game with a crush on someone. Um, not everyone started the game with someone having a crush on them, of course, because love isn't fair. Um, and then at random t points throughout the day Tim would go up to people with um, the crush deck and make them draw a random card bam teenage hormones you've now got a crush on that person and, right nice and it, but I, didn't, I didn't sort of mechanise how much people had to you know if people weren't comfortable with doing the relationships game they could just not take part in it or you know sure. just feel awkward um, the benefits were if you were dating someone, you had to post. Oh, that was quite cool. You had to post if you were dating someone on the grapevine, which was like the um, it was a notice board, but it was representing the school website. So that was full of a load of people saying like Tony and Sarah heart forever and things like that. Um, and then also if you if you ended up dating someone you had a crush on, you got cred for it. If you went to prom or homecoming without a date, you lost cred. Sort of it sort of fed back into the cred game a little bit. And and okay. did I'm guessing that evolved over time, right? I mean you could you could have crushes on different people as the game went on. Yeah, yeah. Um and once you got a new crush it didn't mean you didn't have a crush on the previous people as well. You could have crushes on sort of half a dozen people by the end <laughs> if you were particularly amorous. Uh, and um, I've got a couple couple more questions, uh, but anyone dive in as we go along here. Um, and you talked about loners. I mean, you've how did the loners fit into all of this? Because obviously, I imagine their objectives were really quite different. So the loners, we had four loners, and I, yeah, I sort of picked their roles so they'd have a bit more to do. But their their game actually, I did borrow a little bit from Mirror Shades uh, with the Merc work. Uh, they had a bunch of different quests that were available um, each turn. They had uh, so so that their quest that they could um, bid on, but then they just had to roll a dice to succeed or fail at the quest. Because um, I really like the mechanic from Mirror Shades of, of just having these dice rollable quests that people can do. Um, but they they also um, they they had access to through this quest system a lot of things that other people in the game would want um but on the other hand if you spoke to a loner you lost cred so there was a part of the room called under the bleachers where you could go to speak to a loner without anyone seeing you so you didn't lose a cred there or you could <laughs> pass messages through the lockers um and they, they were where you were getting yeah like test results and alcohol for parties and things like that from so hopefully they didn't feel too alone 
but also the fact that the loners spiked the punch at the at the prom, which is oh, why. <laughs> yeah, everybody ended up. Uh, there was a brief moment of panic when when uh, when control said, "Everybody who was told not to drink the punch, please raise your hand." And you could see the fear in everybody's eyes. Um, so that was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, so, did you have a sort of big enemy? You had prom and class elections and stuff, and applying for college. So was there a sort of a big ending sort of mechanic, or did did it just sort of play through those bits as the year went on? The end of the game was graduation. Um, right. Unfortunately, my spreadsheet broke. Um, so on the day, I thought no one had gotten into an Ivy League college. But in fact, two players did get in, into Ivy League colleges. But I, I sort of stood at the front, invited the valedictorian um, up to up to speak. And nice. uh, then that flowed quite nicely into the debrief. If I, if I was to do it again, though, I think I'd have a finals before prom so that you could do your final final exams and then do prom while we were marking all of them there was a little bit of waiting around while people waited because as i said lessons weren't super efficient but um no i think i think it sort of ended on um ended on people finding out whether they got into college or not and a lot of people did and a lot of people didn't <laughs> I, I like that i think i think I like mega games that have a, an ending point with, you know, whether it's an election or whatever it might be. I think it creates a nice narrative conclusion. So that's good. Yeah. I, I also like high school, literally as last term madness built in it is called prom graduation. So yeah. <laughs> into that. Uh, it's also the only game where I've ever been penalized for quoting Futurama as it was seen as being far too nerdy by Seamus. So I lost some cred for it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as Control, I think Pickles and Seamus did a really good job um, for all of the wizard wheezes that the players went into. And Seamus, in fact, invented a whole thing about the modern, well, languages, modern building, foreign languages building, yeah. which was brilliant, um, oh. which I'll, I'll tell people in the pub sometime. But yeah, uh, that, that ate a lot of time and, and effort. And we were thinking it was some kind of big, crazy... Hellmouth thing possibly or a portal to, to Mars and it was a much better ending than, than that. So Rob, if there was one mechanic you would have taken away that we can transfer across to traditional, you know, historic games, what would it be? <laughs> okay. Uh, right, let's see. How to how to transfer something over which might end up in uh... I think best friends. I think best friends is a great mechanic that every mega game needs. What's best friends? Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just gave everyone a random, well, not a random best friend, but a, but a best friend and actually, a start game and a rival. Yeah, no, that that was actually really good because uh, you gave me your brother and yep. we helped each other out the entire game. There was no chance that we were going to backstab each other. We just did nothing but provided wholesome support and friendship for the entire time. Um, if he needed anything, I tried to find it for him. If I needed anything, he tried to find it for me. And that removed a slight amount of the paranoia um, from who's a werewolf, who's an alien, who's going to try and laser me, who's going to put diuretics in my in my punch. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's good. Um, and could best friends go wrong? No, not, not, not as written. I mean, people could have conflicting priorities, but if someone was your best friend, you were their best friends. It was a paired thing. So, so Becky, Becky, before we wrap up, um, it, what, what were the standout moments for you personally? 
Oh, gosh. Um, I think... I think there was the bit where... I've, I've said it a few times to a few people, but um, Marty McFly, we had a character called Marty McFly. We also had a different character who'd been sent back in time to get his parents together, which he failed to do, so he doesn't exist anymore. But Marty McFly told three different girls before prom that if they didn't go to prom with him, he would fade out of existence. <laughs> uh, the best thing was that they all managed to find this out before before prom and corner him about it. So I think he went to prom alone. Uh, oh, that is classic high school. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and then also a bit in the pub afterwards where someone was asking me what the point of lessons were throughout the day. And I was like, well, well they contributed towards you getting into college. And he was like, shit, were they? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. those sort of reactions those like ridiculously could only happen in a high school tv show moments that was what i wanted to to do with this game so you know that's uh it's it's been a it sounds like a very different game from anything else and certainly a very different game from your last game which is awesome mm-hmm. and um where where will a game go where will a game go sorry where will trope high go now um so I am hopefully going to run it again. I've already started uh, thinking very, very vaguely about it. I am getting married next year, so Tim has told me I'm not allowed to run it before then. But I'm hoping to bring it down south toward the end of next year. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that as a signed contract. <laughs> I have been meaning to message you. <laughs> I, just, I just want to come and see this game. I'm very, very intrigued. You need to play it. I think you'd be amazing. Yeah, and I think it it sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, well, Extreme Frisbee team. Yeah, right, right. This, yeah, flat, flat, flat ball. Um, <laughs> I, I'm. This has been an amazing episode. I've really enjoyed myself. Um, it's been a lot of fun listening to you guys and um, hearing all about that. Uh, so thank you very much, all of you, and um, you. we'll uh, hopefully reconvene again soon. Sounds good. Right. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Sign up to Megacon. Ha, 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 ha.